Hathord. Hathord. Herthord. I don't. Yeah. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG 1. Hello! Hi! Hi! How are you? Oh, I'm tired, but I'm good. How are you? You've had a day. I have had a day. (laughs) I don't know if I should talk about it. This specific thing happened in this specific place. Shall we just say that Kathy's job was in the news today and leave it at that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if I want to do that. Fair. But yeah, it was uh, it was quite a day. It ended unexpectedly, and it's been a really long week on top of that. I know it's been it's been such a long week. So I've cracked open so tired. a beer already. Nice. What are you drinking? Uh, Vermont IPA. Also, I'm drinking. Nice. No way. Yes. It's one that you brought here. <laughs> this is the one I left in here the other day slash last Fabulous. week. Yeah. Yes. When, <laughs> when we tried to record the first time unsuccessfully because my computer stopped recognizing my microphone. So weird. Or actually, apparently it had muted my microphone, but not like through the normal mute button or through the recording software, but like somewhere else, Jeff said, like deep down in the in the, in the darkest, <laughs> deepest reaches of the software it decided to mute my microphone i don't even know what happened but all of my attempts to unmute it were unsuccessful so thankfully he was able to fix it for me that is good it was weird so weird i also have a cbd seltzer that i may or may not have helped to make because i don't know if the cbd seltzers that i've helped to make are on the market yet but i'm the person that makes the cbd emulsions that go into the seltzer now and so i'm not going to say where this place is <laughs> but i have cool. one yeah I do have a demon car now. Please tell me about your demon car. What happened? My demon car- so yesterday I pulled into a parking lot and parked my car. I put the thing into park. It's a automatic. And it didn't automatically unlock my doors like it always does. Uh-oh. And I was like, that's weird. So I took it out of park and then put it back in and it wouldn't do anything. So I turned it off, ran my errand came back, turned my car on, and then I could not move the lever <laughs> at all. That, that sounds it that was sounds weird. bad. And then it mysteriously popped unlocked and I still couldn't move it. But then it popped locked and then I <laughs> it was so weird. So it was dancing? Yeah, I don't Popping know. Popping and locking? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My car's super old. That's- that's it's weird. weird. Yeah. So then then I ran another I made my second stop on the errand and it opened like it should, which was good. But when I went to turn it back on and leave again, it locked and unlocked a couple of times before it let me go. <laughs> I don't know. That's totally normal. Yep. I used it today though with no issue at all. So maybe it was just having a Thursday. <laughs> 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 Never could get the hang of Thursdays. Yeah, it's the Arthur Dent of cars. <sighs> yeah, it's entirely possible. Was <laughs> it raining? Was there like maybe an electrical short or something? I don't even remember at this point if no. it's been raining or not. No, recently. it's just been frosty in the mornings, which I enjoy. Mm. But it's I don't like having to clear my car off. But I haven't minded the temperatures too much yet. 
Yeah, I only minded it because I only minded clearing my car off the second day because a bunch of birds pooped on it. Ugh. And so the windshields were disgusting, but I was like, well, it's frozen now, so I guess I'll just scrape it off along with the mm. ice. I mind mostly because I never remember to account for the time that that takes, but thankfully it's only been a little bit of frost, so it hasn't been too difficult to remove. So it has not yet made me late for anything. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd rather have a haunted rocking chair than a demon car, though. I think that's better. I feel like you're less likely to die in a demon rocking, haunted rocking chair than a demon car. Yeah, my rocking chair is not evil, and also it doesn't travel very far. It just (laughs) travels forward a bit and then back a bit. (laughs) repeat (laughs) (laughs) everything's silly times everything is silly very very silly yeah Yeah, so now it's friday we're not doing our normal friday hangs so we're in our own places and recording we are but we'll see each other on sunday anyway yay for fun things yay oh man fun things indeed Speaking of fun things, podcasts are podcasts fun Podcasts are fun things. Should we do one? We should probably do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think we should do a podcast. All right. That sounds all right. I should probably pull up some notes so that I can do a podcast. This is the wrong one. What are we talking about today? Into the Fire, <laughs> season three, episode one of Stargate SG-1. I got the right notes. Everything's good. Season three. Holy shit. Season we say holy shit like every time that we talk about what episode we're on now. We should. We can probably stop doing that, but still it Let's continues to surprise me that we're this far marbling. along. <laughs> Let us never lose your sense of wonder. Exactly. We are always staring into the event horizon. So true. Eyes exactly. Wide. Yep. Marveling at its beauty. Yep. Sticking a finger in and looking at your finger just sticking your face in and <laughs> till someone shoves you through. <laughs> I do want to start by saying that the recap of the yeah. previous season really drove home my this meeting could have been an email feel about the last episode. <laughs> Yes, I agree. Uh, would you like to hear my specific notes on that recap? I would love to. Please. <laughs> okay. jo- lead us through this. My, my words verbatim that I wrote, because this actually is not what the transcript says. It's just what I wrote. Uh, is It's 2077. It's okay. You're in the SGC. Everyone else is dead. We get clips of clips. Tilk quits. Jacket drop. OMG Hathor. OMG Hagfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I covered all the bases. I think you did. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the episode starts in the gate room. Colonel Makepeace, whose name still cracks me up, comes back <laughs> through the gate. And he's told that his briefing is going to be at 14, 30 hours. But he doesn't care about that because he is running, running, and telling people to make a hole. And... We see that our friend Walter is finally back. Yay. Although, according to the transcript, he's just credited as Sergeant. But I know he's Walter. Yes. We know who he is. We do. Yes. So, he keeps running. He makes his way all the way up into Hammond's office. Surprisingly, Hammond is just fine with Makepeace bursting in. <laughs> even though Hammond's in the middle of talking to somebody about there being a big galaxy out there. <laughs> Oddly. Space is big. Really yeah. big. <laughs> really big. <laughs> Nasty bugs. <laughs> so 
So Hammond calmly just, just like, Colonel Makepeace, you remember Major Davis, who is apparently the guy he was talking to. We've met him before. We have met him before. Yeah. Yes, we have. So Makepeace doesn't really care whether or not he's met Major Davis before. What he does care about is that they have figured out where SG-1 is, or at least SG-3 quarters. We already know where Tilk is. Yeah! And it turns out, as we already know, they've been taken prisoner by Hathor. And we end the scene with Hammond's shocked face. Dramatic music. And then credits. Yay! (laughs) We've gone to no clips credits there were no yes. clips of the show in the credits yeah it was back to that uh thankfully whatever oh in the credits themselves yeah. i didn't even notice yeah so oh, not only yeah. was it Last not season... a clip show there were no clips mm. in the credits at all it was that uh statue face egyptian something or other That's i don't know right i forgot to check last season at the start of season two i did remember to check because i know that the uh the opening credits change a few times and i forgot to check this time yeah, so they I will were, do that the next time I watch. They were boring, but they were. I mean, <laughs> credits don't need to be that exciting. I mean, I think the the mummy face thing is kind of cool looking. That's in fact, fair. I have a poster of it on my wall. Well, <laughs> an, an artistic rendering of it, but I think it's cool in it in a super nerdy way. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how cool can a Stargate poster prominently displayed in your living room really be? But extremely, but like that's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely. I think so. Yes. I think you're right. Like, really fucking tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I slept four hours last night because nice. I was up working really late. I'm yeah. Sorry. I was up working really late, and then the dog, for reasons, woke me up at 5 30. Just, whi- just whining at me for no apparent reason, and then I couldn't get back to sleep. <laughs> I assume that's Lily. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> Coconut would never do such a thing. Coconut was sound asleep under the blankets. Like, what the hell is going on? Why is noise happening? This is sleep time. Oh, <laughs> what a creep! Um, yep. Yeah, Lily is very creepy. Standing next to the bed, whining at me. I'm sorry. That sucks. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what happened next? Hammond and. Davis and Makepeace are looking at some blueprints. They strangely resemble the SGC, which is not that strange because we know that Hathor already built at least three replica SGCs in her base. <laughs> yes. So weird. Yep. How much time has passed, do you think, between, like, how do you think the time is running? concur is it running concurrently like is did all this happen really soon like is this happening at the same time hathor is holding the snake up to all of them i think so okay or maybe you know maybe like shortly before or right around the same time was my feeling so these people have not been gone long they're gone but not forgotten i don't or not longer (laughs) than the three weeks that teal'c was sleeping Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I forgot that Tilk was sleeping for three yeah, weeks. Yeah, so I just didn't know if the timeline was running. Oh, I, right. it mu- I guess it must have been because in the end they meet up and like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. So what was happening with SG three quarters while he was sleeping for three weeks? Were they actually just in cryostasis to to I don't add know. to the illusion? Maybe. That's weird. That's weird. Maybe, maybe they, you know, 
I don't know. Maybe it took them a really long time to freeze them all the way. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe their freezer was on the fritz. <laughs> Could be. That seems anyway. probably like a bad thing when you're cryogenic yes. freezing people. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so they're looking at these blueprints, working up a plan. McPeace says that the base perimeter is unguarded so they can apparently get in real easy. Davis has some uh, reservations about the Tok'ra. He doesn't know them. And Makepeace says that an operative snuck out this information at great risk. <laughs> so they're totally trustworthy. Dolphins lost their lives. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Davis wants to know why this insider can't help. And Hammond's like, they already did. So he orders Walter to ring up his bestie, the president. President bestie, perhaps? Bestie Prezi. Bestident? Bestident. Prezibest? Bestident, I think, is better. Hard to say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He tells Makepeace he wants all available SGTUs ready to go in two hours. And Davis is like, what? All the resources? (laughs) And Hammond's like, I wish. But they have a lot of people who are off-world currently. I want to know how they figure out this scheduling because there have been some episodes where nobody is off world and they're really surprised when they get an incoming wormhole because nobody is off world. And then they have now where half of them are gone. A few episodes back, there were three teams off world out of like, I think there's around 12 now or so. So So how, like you would think that they would try to keep it so that there's a more steady state, like generally the same number of teams out at any given time. So I really want to know who's in charge of scheduling and yeah. what 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 is the, behind their decision process of how many teams are out at any one time? That's a great question. I don't know if we ever meet the person who like organizes the gate schedule. And... <laughs> that person has no a big idea. job. But anyway, yeah. unless it's yeah. Hammond, I don't know. But that seems like a thing he would. It seems like it would be beneath him. Yeah, he would be like given you that need he's to do heading the whole thing. And yeah, here's the I don't parameters. think he'd be scheduling. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, Davis is like SG One's cool, but they're just one team. And Hammond's like, you got a lot to learn about how we do things here. <laughs> but he was so ready to give up on them in the last episode, and now all of a sudden he's like, yes, we we can't leave them behind. We're yeah. gonna save them no matter what. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Well, you got me. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. Walter comes in. The Prezi is ready for Hammond. So Hammond orders them, let's get the job done. <laughs> David looks... David. Davis looks very <laughs> uncomfortable at this. Did you see the stink eye that Makepeace gave Davis as <laughs> no. Makepeace left the room? <laughs> it was really funny to me. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was pretty great. Makepeace walks behind Davis on his way out of the room and is just like glaring at him and Davis sees it. It was very amazing. (laughs) In the gate room, they're getting ready to go. There are all kinds of soldiers ready and armed and Hammond is standing up at the top of the ramp and doing a motivational speech talking about how he's sure that they've already all been briefed and they know the enemy and they know the risks and they're all going into this for one team. So he's not going to order them all to go risk their lives for one team. 
So if you want to go, just take one step and everybody all at the same time, before he even finishes his <laughs> sentence, takes one step forward the exact same distance in unison. So I wanted to know, like, did they practice this? I, because, like, they're in a semicircle and they would have to, like, get some coordination to all cut him off at the same time and take that proper distance step forward without running into each other in this semicircle. Why do you think Hammond gave them two whole hours to get ready? <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> How long does it get dressed and throw on some weapons? Right. About 10 to 15 minutes to get dressed. <laughs> and then an hour and 45 minutes to practice their coordinated one step forward. <laughs> I like it. It's got to be just right. <laughs> yep. All right. So apparently this is SG units 3, 5, 6, and 11 as Hammond addresses them and tells them all to bring SG1 home. Colonel Makepeace leads the way. All right, let's go, move out! He and Hammond salute, and Hammond wishes them good luck. We finally make our way back into the pyramid to Hathor and SG three quarters. I liked that transition. Just going to throw that out there. Oh, I actually made a note about that too, and then I forgot to mention it. Yeah, it was interesting. It went from the real gate room, panned over to the wall after we're watching all of the people leave through the gate and then it pans back over to Hathor and we're now in the fake yeah. gate room. It was really cool. She asks them again, who's going to be the host to our new friend as she words <laughs> it, still holding up the hagfish, which continues to be less creepy because it is CGI and not a slimy puppet. Not too surprisingly, nobody volunteers. So she tries to convince everybody saying maybe it should be her beloved Daniel, because they had such wonderful times together in one another's arms. And he says, mm, I try not to remember that. So she moves on to Carter and says that maybe it should be the female who could challenge her then. But then she suddenly realizes that Carter's already been possessed by a Gwold, So maybe she would want to do it again. Sam says she's not afraid, but obviously is not too keen on the idea either and doesn't back down, but for sure doesn't volunteer. So she moves on to Jack. And at this point, the hagfish starts to get very eager and is jumping around and like chomping at the bit to just get all up in there in Jack's brainstem. So Hathor <laughs> says, ah, it seems our friend is chosen. And... So he, you know, O'Neill takes it pretty calmly and he's like, all right, if the gray doesn't bother you, just, you know, maybe, maybe not the back of the neck. And he goes to kneel down, but it's just a trick. He tries to grab the hagfish on his way down to kneel. But then Dr. Raleigh from last time shoots O'Neill, realizing that he's trying to pull one over on everybody. She says that he was going to hurt the symbiote, but of course Hathor is extremely angry at this because in shooting O'Neill with the Zat gun, that means that the symbiote that he was holding also got shot. We actually see it drop to the ground and like skitter away <laughs> under the ramp, which was weird looking. <laughs> so Hathor's pissed because now she says Dr. Raleigh has hurt the hagfish instead of O'Neill hurting the hagfish, so... They're going to try to find it and return it back to Jaffa, where it will be safe and warm and cozy in its puddle of slime. Yay. Yep. Outside, the SG teams that have come through are just hanging out by the gate, and then they start yeah. heading towards an EM signal they're getting. 
End of scene. <laughs> it was exciting. It was. <laughs> Elsewhere, Chulak, perhaps. Indeed, it is yes. Chulak. Indeed. Tilk is in robes that he was already in, in the last episode. I don't know why I told yep. you that, but Tilk is in robes. <laughs> Same robes, probably. In a house. I wasn't sure at first whose house it was. I was like, is this Froyo's old house or what? It looked like it to me. Yeah, but Braytac is there. He is. Whom he finds on the ground very injured. And yes, quite. And to the point where Braytac says he's dying. Mm. And his face is all covered with blood, yeah. so that doesn't look good. Not good at all. No. Tilk gives him some water. Asks... Who did it? And Breaktack said that it is the remnants of Apophis's guard, which is just the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> they just pop up everywhere and ruin things. Yeah, they do. They yeah. for sure do. Yeah. They left. Love the sound. They left. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I broke into the beer. I already had the seltzer open. I don't know why you leave people for dead rather than making sure they're dead if your goal is to kill them. But right? they, this yeah. what they did. They left him for dead. <laughs> Braytac's pretty happy about dead Apophis, which again, why is everyone pretending he's definitely dead? Should we call him Depophis? Depophis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he's not, though. He might yeah. still be alive out there it, because yeah. Sokar might be torturing him to death multiple times. Exactly. Everybody, uh, similar to how I completely forgot about the sarcophagus during that episode yeah. until Martooth reminded us. Everybody else seems to have also forgotten yeah. that sarcophaguses <laughs> exist. But the sarcophagus is a way more prevalent aspect of their lives. So they shouldn't be forgetting. Yeah. I think it's understandable if the watchers like ourselves forget, but yeah. these people shouldn't be forgetting. But instead, everyone wishfully thinks Apophis is definitely dead. But maybe they have insider information we don't have, but that seems weird. Anyway. It's possible. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. And they all thought, apparently, that everyone on Chulak would be super happy about Apophis's death, but it turns out yeah. they're not. They're worried because there are other Goa'uld, including Apophis's son, Chlorel. Who might come back? Isn't this what I've been saying? Yeah. I think I mentioned this even a few episodes ago. Like, why is everyone so excited that Chulak is free now? Yeah, I don't know. It's but it's yeah. clearly not because even in Hathor's base, she's being surrounded by serpent and Horus right. guards, and the serpent guards were all Apophises. So did they all? Did all of the? Uh, I'm wondering where, like, where the, all the horse guards came from. Did they just come from a different place on Chulak, or are they from a different planet altogether? I, I wonder. I don't know. Mm. Maybe there's lots of Jaffa worlds. I don't know. It's very possible. Could be. Tilk though is not impressed with his fellow Jaffa and calls them cowards. <laughs> Breitag asks after SG three quarters, and Tilk tells him they are president. Or, they're presidents. Oh my god. <laughs> They are also Hammond's best friends. Yes, all of them. <laughs> yep, that's why he cares so much when they go missing, <laughs> or doesn't, yeah. depending on the situation yeah. and the day. Apparently, <laughs> Teal informs him they're prisoners, and he is there to raise an army against the gold, and also nice. presumably to save his friends. He needs some armor, though. Braytech needs some food and rest. 
Hard cut to commercial. <laughs> Finally, we're back in Hathor's pyramid. And Hathor is not pleased. O'Neill is not pleased. She yanks out his memory device, which is apparently quite painful, but doesn't have the level of collateral damage that they mentioned that it probably would Yeah. in the last episode, apparently. But you never know until you do it, so. Right. Very true. So, she says that she's going to give him his little new uh, new hagfish friend, and then she's going to make him kill his friends. Sam looks a bit concerned by that. Daniel just kind of stares stoically out into space. <laughs> O'Neill <laughs> says, we don't think so. <laughs> and Hathor's like, well, too bad, because that's what's going to happen. Your your personal will will have nothing to do with it anymore. So she tears open his shirt. Why? And it's <laughs> a very good question, because it does go in through the back of his head, <laughs> despite his request that it not go in that way. So I guess he's going to have a scar there forever. Yeah. Yeah. But why? Like, she didn't need yeah. to rip his shirt. No, she really didn't. <laughs> That's very strange. Anyway. It was quite, yeah. Yeah. So she, so that hagfish gets its wish and gets all up in Jack's brainstem, which is gross. O'Neill seems to be in a lot of pain, and then all of a sudden, from nowhere, a staff weapon fires, followed by some gunfire. It's off in the distance somewhere else in the pyramid. Uh, Hathor talks to Trotsky, who happens to be sending there, and Daniel and Carter are led away. O'Neill is left behind, just pretty much looking horrified at what's just happened. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Elsewhere, we see the SG teams that have come through the gate. Exchanging fire with the Jaffa. <laughs> yes. The end. <laughs> right. Would you like to take another yeah. <laughs> Okay. Hathor barks some orders in gold to the doctor... Raleigh? Raleigh. <laughs> and then she departs. Raleigh watches her leave. And everyone... Basically leaves the room at that point, except the doctor. She goes to a terminal and beep, beep, boops. Goes over to Jack and tells him to fight it. And that she is actually Tokra. And she's going to freeze him. And that is going to kill his gold. But in the meantime, he needs to keep fighting it inside his head. What? I actually completely forgot about that. So this did actually surprise me. Yeah. 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 I remembered a lot of this episode, but apparently not that part. <laughs> It was good. Yeah. Out in the hallway, Makepeace and Trofsky are having a standoff. They are, well, it's not really so much of a standoff as they are firing upon each other, <laughs> which is not a standoff. They manage to secure the area and continue on in some other hallway. There is a Jaffa escorting Sam and Daniel and Makepeace and his rescue team come on over out of the alcove they were hiding behind, because, of course, this ship also has convenient alcoves to hide behind. <laughs> they demand that the prisoners be surrendered and that the Jaffa drop their weapons. Carter manages to get a couple good hits into the Jaffa, and Daniel also manages to successfully get a weapon away from the one that is closest to him. And so they have successfully sprung Daniel and Carter from the Jaffa. Woo! 
they talk to make peace and tell him what happened to Jack and make peace looks at her really shocked and says, what? (laughs) And did you notice the face that Daniel made at this point? No, I didn't. (laughs) I don't think I paid attention much to Daniel at all in this episode. You should go back and look. It was at 1625, but like, it just, it was just a really weird and vapid expression. And like, I just caught a glimpse of it as I was watching it and taking some notes. And then I saw it and I was like, wait a minute, that was a really weird face. So I rewound and then paused it on him making the weird face. And I was sitting there laughing to myself and Jeff, he wasn't watching the episode with me, but he was in the room using the computer and he looks over to see what I'm laughing at. And he also starts laughing hysterically at <laughs> the weird face that the Daniel's making. 16.25, you say? Hold yeah. on a sec. I'm halfway there. Yes. <laughs> the transcript here says he's supposed to be looking shocked, but he kind of looks more <laughs> vapid, vacant, wistful. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I am shocked. Shocked. Well, not that shocked. Why would he be surprised there? He already knew that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So yeah, it's just such he's a like, face. yeah, she's right. That's what she's yeah. saying. And they, like, he's making a weird face and they do a close up of on him and then like pause there. <laughs> it's just weird. I see that. <laughs> I mean, like I also paused there, but the episode had paused there too. <laughs> yes, it does go on for several seconds. Yes. It's very strange to me. Trotsky's with some Jaffa guards in armor now. Woo. He looks very out of place in that armor. He does. Yeah. Uh... I don't know why. It's just he looks more businessman than Jaffa armor <laughs> <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> Maybe they, the uh, gold took over a businessman and he's just never been able to shake that. <laughs> Maybe. That feel. Quite possible. Even though he's a general now. Yeah. Yeah. You see, we're putting the cover sheets on all TPS reports now before they go out. Meanwhile, the doctor is lowering Jack back into the freezer. I like that the transcript calls it the icy pit. Uh, nice. <laughs> I like the icy pit. Yeah. <laughs> Hathor comes in, shouts Jaffa Cree. And the doctor replies, Kelnok Shri Jaffa or something like that. Yep. Then she switches to English, because why not, to tell Hathor that she is, in fact, Tok'ra, ha ha ha, and if the Tauri (laughs) don't destroy you, we will. Hathor sparkle blings her into a wall. Yeah. She flies hard against that wall. She does. Yes. Quite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Up on the (laughs) surface. Number two. Excellent. Up on the surface. By the Stargate. I'm already on my second. I already had my first one before we even started recording because it's Friday. Up on the surface by the Stargate, a Marine calls in to make peace and tells them that everything is secure. And it's exciting. That's that scene. Inside the pyramid, make peace says that they're pulling out. And apparently they're not going to be worrying about O'Neill because their ETA at the gate is five minutes, which... Makepeace was like all about saving all of them before, and now all of a sudden he's like, "Nah, Jack's a lost cause." So I mean, he does have a hagfish now. <laughs> this, yeah, this is true. Actually, very good point. But I feel like everybody runs hot and cold as to whether or not they want to bother to try to save people. True. So the Marine radius back down to Makepeace and tells them that there's something going on up here. We see some transporter rings appear out of the ground. 
<laughs> and that's it. Makepeace can't get in touch with them after that. We're back inside the pyramid with Makepeace and Carter and Daniel, and they can't get in touch with the people back out at the gate. Daniel asks about Jack and Makepeace just says he's a casualty. They're going to leave him behind like we were just talking about. But unfortunately, even though Makepeace had planned to leave, now that they apparently no longer have control of the gate, it seems that they're stuck there, at least for the time being. Oh, dear. So they're going to leave Hathor's palace, but they are not going to have an easy trip back to or through the gate at this point. No, they won't. Nope. On Chulak, Tilka scored himself some armor. He's walking around in a town, I guess. A woman recognizes him and calls him Shilva and says, You dare to return? Bitch. I know, I know. She she was hammering at him hard this whole episode. She was. Yeah. But Tilk says that he is not a traitor and that these people are his brothers and sisters. And he's betrayed no one. And she's like, except your god. And she's like, false god. Dead false god. Which <laughs> I liked that line. <laughs> I really enjoy that line. If yeah. only we could know it was definitely true. I know. His delivery on it was good, though. Yeah. Yeah. She points out Chlorel is still alive, which is a thing Braytek also pointed out. Tilka's confident they're going to defeat him. And they will be free. He then starts hitting the dude standing around her. And then shouts at her that she needs to go tell literally everyone that he's back. (laughs) I think the guards moved in on him before he started hitting them. I don't think he just randomly attacked them. I think that they were they were moving in to attack him first. (laughs) Okay, okay. It's not a it's not a Han shot first thing here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Anyway, he orders her to go tell everyone he's back, and he's got something to say, so they should meet at Braytax at dawn. He's very fierce in this. He is! I think this is the most emotion that we've ever actually seen from him. Oh, maybe. He's intimidating when he's angry. He is intimidating. But I still love him. Yeah. 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 Back on Hathor's planet, it has become nighttime. And they are back at the gate. Makepeace doesn't see any sign of his men. And Sam says that they don't see any sign of the enemy either, for that matter. So they cautiously cross the open ground on their way to the gate. And all of a sudden, they hit an invisible barrier. So that's inconvenient. I was wondering where the light source came from that was illuminating the gate itself. Because the gate itself looked like it had spotlights on it, which was weird. Because like everything was so dark, but then the gate was really lit up i didn't even think about that it reminded me it actually reminded me a little bit of the luxor in las vegas (laughs) (laughs) strangely i don't really know exactly why but it did so there's a firefight carter and daniel are not armed at this point because they were just rescued so they can't really do much of anything other than take cover while the other sg teams fire Makepeace asks Carter what the hell is happening, essentially. Carter says that there's an energy barrier, so their weapons aren't going to be able to get through that. So Makepeace tells everybody to fall back. And then some giant turrets shoot up out of the ground. And each one has a Jaffa in it that starts firing on the SG teams. And this entire scene with these big gun turrets reminded me of 
the game Pixel Junk Monsters that I love, which is a tower defense game that Jeff and I have spent so many hours playing. <laughs> it's a fun game. And I made you play it once and you didn't like it. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, probably because I only made you play it once because you were bored. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. But it's a great game. Did I keep dying? Because that's usually why I don't like games. I keep dying. No, no, it's a collaborative tower defense oh. game. You don't really repeatedly die in a game like well, that. Well, then I'm just a monster. You can lose all of your villagers that you're trying to keep safe, but. Well, I mean. You are a monster, but not a pixel junk monster. If we're not turning bears into churches, what are we even doing? Yeah. That's also a good a good question. Yeah. Bears all need to be turned into churches. They do, and then churches mm-hmm. become money, and it's wonderful. Yep. Yes, it is wonderful. If only real life worked that way. I know. <laughs> I'd take every church I see and turn it into money. It'd be great. But also, I need to find some bears first. Then also, we'd have to kill all the bears, which does sound terrible when they're actually. Oh, that would make bears. me sad. Yeah. yeah, never mind. I don't want to actually <laughs> kill bears. <laughs> but, you know, the ninja bears would take some of us with them. The ninja bears kind of deserve to be killed, though, because they're dicks. That's true. I totally hijacked your uh, <laughs> your game talk. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Everyone's probably like, what the fuck are they talking about? It's Triple Town. If Triple anyone Town. doesn't know what game that is, Triple Town, also a good game, yeah. an iPad or iPhone game. <laughs> and Android to- now. It wasn't and always Android on now. Android, but it is now. So Stargate, huh? Stargate, yes. Stargate. They've made their way down to some Tok'ra tunnels, apparently. <laughs> I liked that uh, they, they were all jumping in to this tunnel, but then the one guy that was just kneeling next to it to like kind of direct everybody else just for whatever reason decides to somersault into it instead of <laughs> jumping into it. <laughs> which was very random uh and i would think would probably end badly with him like landing on his back or something but apparently he's fine all right yeah (laughs) just gotta keep your job fun i don't know right yeah very true that's just so true so at this point they figured out there are tokra tunnels here there must be a tokra operative on the inside and so they're going to follow these tunnels and see where they go or stay here and hide or at the very least just try to avoid the Jaffa and the the gold in this tunnel. Yeah. Apparently Daniel has managed to sustain a deep bleeding gash and he's like, but it's fine. Everything's fine. I actually thought that this line was was really funny because Makepeace is like, can you walk? And Daniel's like, it's just a deep bleeding gash. It's fine. <laughs> I've had worse. <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> Makepeace tries to call out to the other teams. But uh, apparently the ones that have not made it in here with the tunnel with them are not answering. Apparently they've decided they're going to try to follow these tunnels and see if they can get underneath the barriers and maybe make it to the gate some other way. Woo. Yeah. Trotsky is reporting to Hathor and his little ball communicator. That the SG people have hidden in a Toker tunnel and there must be a spy. And she's like, yeah, I already know. It's all set. He really looks like an insurance salesman specifically, (laughs) I feel like. Not just any businessman, but like an unsuccessful insurance salesman. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Maybe he was. Maybe this is a step up for him in life. Kind of like, what's the name of the the guy in Simpsons? The, The unsuccessful businessman guy in The Simpsons? Oh, Gilbert. He reminds me. He, he kind of looks like. Yeah, he looks a little bit like Gilbert Gunderson from <laughs> The Simpsons to me. Old Gil. Yeah, exactly. Old Gil. 
How many can I put you down for? A lot? Please say a lot. I need this. Uh, I forgot about Gil. It's been a long time since I actually watched any Simpsons. I know. All of our Simpsons references, I'm sure, are like at least 20 years they're old, all, if they're not all, older. Like, <laughs> super, like, they're just, like, quotes and not, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Yep. I'm fine with it. Me too. I still entertain myself with it, and that's what matters. Oh, yeah. And hopefully I manage to entertain some other people on the way with me. <laughs> so Gil is reporting that there must be a spy. Hathor says she already took care of it. She tells him to take the humans alive because she's going to make them Jaffa. Cool. Yeah. Gross. Yes. Actually. Yeah. The the SG folks are running through the tunnels, but they do, in fact, encounter the barrier they hit above ground down there, too. That's inconvenient. Yes. Sam says this is different from other gold shields they've seen, because this is like a, like a wall. Although I don't know what other shields are not like a wall. I don't know. <laughs> There's a wall there. Trust me. I don't know. The only I feel like the shields we've seen are the what? ineffective type, like the ship <laughs> shields, which yeah, and also the Apophis had that like one shield he had, or yeah, I think yeah, Apophis and uh, Harrower both had them, like their personal ones. Breaking news: I spilled some of my beer on the floor, and that is sad. That is sad. Do you have a dog to clean it up for you? I don't. <laughs> it's probably just as well. Hops are bad for dogs, but Fair. it's only a very small amount. Yeah. I think I managed to miss my electric blanket with it, though, so that's good. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so her point, though, is that this thing must be using a shit ton of power. <laughs> and Makepeace is like, cool, so what now? Back on Earth, Hammond wants to know how long all of the everybody is that they sent to the other planet. <laughs> uh, how long that everybody is overdue. And Sergeant Walter tells him five hours. He says that SG-3 was supposed to check in by now. They're going to try contacting the SG teams instead. Maybe the MALPS relay antenna will be able to get a signal to the teams and maybe they'll be able to talk back and forth regardless of where the SG teams happen to be. So, Walter makes that happen. Yeah, he does. He's... <laughs> Good job, Walter. I'm glad Walter's back. Me too. I wonder when he gets his actual name. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's been so long. We're in really season has. three now. I know. I I mean, he he's in it for, I think, like pretty much the rest of the series at this point. So I kind of just took it as a given that he was always there because I forgot he left for a while yeah. and didn't really have a name or a role, I guess. It's okay. I mean, if he yeah. hadn't left, would we have Crush Guy? I don't know. Lieutenant Crush. Mm. Fair point. I like Lieutenant Crush. <laughs> oh, does he go away? He might go away. I don't away know. He Paul might go back. away now that Walter is around. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like Falter. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's fine. It's Everything's fine. fine. Yeah. Back on Hathor's planet, Trotsky is yelling in hagfish at some people. Back in the control room, they establish a wormhole. Back on the planet, everybody's a bit alarmed and surprised that the Stargate is now opening towards them. Boo! In surprise and alarm. Oh, you mean sort of a... Ah! But none of them are vaporized by it. They do manage to get out of the way. Then we're down in the tunnels, and Hammond successfully manages to make his way over the radio to SG-3 and calls in. Make Peace tells everyone to stop. 
Carter says the energy barrier must be amplifying the signal somehow, which is how it's able to get to them underground. Sure. And so Hammond asks how things are going, and Makepeace tells him that they have two surviving members of Sierra Gulf Team 1 members. I believe that we should be calling this Sierra Gulf Team 1 half at this point. <laughs> but they've been cut off from the Stargate, and so now they're down in the tunnels trying to figure out what to do next. Hammond tells Palter to try to direct the MALP camera over to the Stargate itself to see what's going on up there. And... They realize that there's a whole bunch of people around there, a whole bunch of bad guys standing around up there. So Hammond tells them it's going to take some time. They're going to gather some reinforcements and send them through. But that's going to take six hours, which seems to me to be an excessively long time when you're in the predicament that they are currently in. So that sucks. They are going to choreograph the most amazing step forward you've ever seen. They might even do two steps forward with that amount of time. Maybe a twirl? Ooh. (laughs) That might be a bit much for six hours. That might be a little too much. Maybe like a (laughs) sidestep. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) So back up on the surface, of course, Trotsky has noticed that the mouth is moving and just shoots it with the gun, destroying it, and their communication is over. Womp womp. Oops. I guess a bit later. Don't know how much later. General Hammond is talking to Major Davis, telling him they'll only just need the one armored platoon to be able to take the Stargate. And Davis is like, uh, no. (laughs) Even if I agreed with you and I don't, it's not up to me. And they said no. They. 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 I think it was the president and the joint chiefs. It it was, yes. (laughs) I only point it out because when my personal trainer clients used to always tell me about they say this or they say that, and my first question would always be like, well, who the fuck is they? who is they? I did not swear at my clients, but I would be like, who is they? Who is they that is saying that this supplement will magically make you lose weight or that this diet is best? And they're like, I don't know, them. I'm like, well, (laughs) you should know that if you're going to be taking health advice from them. What are their credentials and who are they? Anyway, maybe you should have sworn at them. I probably should have sworn at them more. I didn't. I tried to be nice and likable, but (laughs) maybe if I swore at them more, it would have gotten me farther. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, the president and the Joint Chiefs are not into risking more lives in this SG-1 rescue attempt. I guess. And so the folks on the planet are on their own. Sucks to be them. Hammond thanks them, Davis leaves, and I'm sure that's all settled. <laughs> Clear, yep, totally, totally, that, that's it. Yep. Surely so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Back down in the Toker tunnels, Carter is thinking, as Carter does. <laughs> this time she's thinking about the energy barriers and how they must extend for miles around the facility. I don't really know how she comes to that conclusion, but she does. So there's got to be some giant power source or field generator that is powering them. And so they just need to find that and shut it down. So Makepeace figures that these tunnels must lead to it somehow for reasons. So Carter wants to go and try to figure out where those might be. And Daniel says he's going to go with her, but he is too hurt. Sam points out, rightfully so, since as he was saying before, he's got a gaping, bleeding wound, apparently, on his leg. So instead, Makepeace is going to send an entire SG team to back him up, although he doesn't specify which one. I suppose it doesn't really matter, but I was wondering. 
whoever's left. Yeah. Yeah. How many are left at this point? I don't know. They've lost quite a number of people trying to save this one team. Yep. Yeah. Carter's going to try to go take out the generators. And Nakepeace is going to go try to take out the turrets. Woo. Yeah. Take those turrets. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sam's sneaking around the tunnels. End of scene. (laughs) (laughs) Elsewhere on Chulak, people are gathered at Braytech's house. Braytech comes out and tells the people there that Tilk cares about them and they should listen to him. Then Tilk comes out. Slowly descends the stairs. <laughs> I also made a note about that. <laughs> he so dramatically descends the stairs while he talks. He tells them many things, like the gold are not gods. <laughs> I don't know. He might not tell- That's basically his message. That's the gist. Yeah, that's the- he- he's there. The woman, though, from before, again, yeah. calls him a shulva. Shut up, lady. Yes. Tilk elaborates that the gold are only strong once they've taken a host and are only then as strong as their Jaffa. And without the Jaffa, the hagfish are nothing. There are quiet mutterings as Tilk is speaking. Mm-hmm. He says he watched Apophis die. I'm going to let that one go. Artistic license <laughs> is a speech. <laughs> it was the best day ever and I thought you'd be happy about it, but instead you're a bunch of jerks fighting each other, Earth, and you're afraid and he's ashamed of them. Be more grateful, people. Yeah, and so everyone's quiet. And Tilk says, this is our time, and it may not come again. And we need to become stronger. And he is looking for warriors to join his cause. And asks who wants in. Most people just kind of look away and then slowly walk off. (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) Quite awkward. There are four people left. Yes. Oh, I said a <laughs> I handful. Counted. Thank you for counting. I, I was curious, so yeah, I counted. Four people remain. Yep. One Jaffa and three robed dudes. Teal's new army. Three robed people. Yes. <laughs> but then it turns out one of them isn't really part of his army anyway. He takes his hood off and it is actually Hammond of Texas what? with his crown of marble. <laughs> I really love the hand gesture that Braytech yeah. makes whenever he says Hammond of Texas. <laughs> Me too. It's <laughs> really great. She looks like, what are you doing here? And Hammond's like, mm, it's not much of an army, but it's a start. He was saying it nicely in an impressive way, but I'm a jerk. He so was. That's how it came yeah. out. I like how delighted Tilk looked. I mean, as delighted as Tilk ever gets. He looked so happy to see yeah. Hammond. Like so honored that Hammond had, had shown up to fight for him. Yeah. And Hammond also needs their help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also that. Yes. Yeah. This is only his second time off world, right? I think so. Hammond? I think yeah, so. I think so. Yeah. Back in Hathor's Pyramid, Raleigh is apparently not dead, as I had initially thought she was at this point. Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. Yeah. She tells Carter, who has just found her, that there was no other way than to pretend to be along with them and help them with the ruse that they were pulling over SG three quarters. Raleigh points to a control panel and tells Sam that all she needs to do is activate them and she will get O'Neill back up minus the hagfish, which will now have frozen to death without fully taking hold of O'Neill. So that's what Sam does. 
right after Raleigh passes out. And again, wasn't sure if she was dead or not at this point. (laughs) So Jack's back up. Carter says that she doesn't feel the presence of the hagfish within him anymore and that Jack's going to be all right. Yes, he's lost his left hand, so he's going to be all right. You son of a bitch! And unfortunately, when she turns around, Hathor is waiting right there with a sparkle bling. Unfortunate. Yep, quite unfortunate. Back out in the tunnels, Daniel and some of the other rescue people that are still remaining are having another firefight. One of the SG soldiers falls, unfortunately. Makepeace drags him away. And then we're back in the Hathor's pyramid. Hathor says she had such high hopes for Carter as she sparkle blings her in the face again. And Sam looks like she's in quite a lot of pain. But then Jack jumps up and grabs her from behind and says she's going to destroy him for this. O'Neill says, we just want you to go away. (laughs) And then he throws her into the ice pit. Yes. Yep. Uh, So... That's it for Hathor, uh, <laughs> at least for now. I, don't, I honestly don't remember if she ever comes back, but... I have no idea. I can't she's remember. She's gone for now. Yep. <laughs> so Jack is standing there looking a bit stunned and very shivery and cold as he looks over the edge of the pit where Hathor once was. And then he sees Carter and he pulls her upright and gives her a big giant hug. And it's adorable because it's a very lengthy hug and he's clearly very cold. And she's trying to warm him while he's also really happy to see her and hugging her because of that. And it was quite adorable for anybody who ships Carter and O'Neill, as I think probably we all do (laughs) by now. Yeah. Yeah. Carter apparently was unconscious from being sparkle blinged and asks what happened and Hathor uh, and Hathor tells her. Yeah. And O'Neill tells uh, and Jack tells her that Hathor is gone and Carter asks if he's OK. And he says he's cold, but he's fine. He's himself. Everything's going to be fine. Sam tells him about Makepeace and the half dozen or so SG teams that came in to rescue them and about Trofsky cutting them off from the Stargate and the energy barrier originating from the facility somewhere. And also tells him that the plan is to try to blow up that energy barrier before General Hammond sends in the reinforcements that are going to be on the way. They are still hugging at this point. Yeah, so they are. <laughs> it continues to be cute. And, and you keep Jack warm. You got to keep Jack warm. Exactly, right? You for sure got to keep him warm. He might be hypothermic. Give him a nice long hug. Yes. The best way to remedy hypothermia is body heat. I learned Absolutely. that when we were watching The Voyage of the Mimi in sixth grade. <laughs> I remember when that. When they all like yes. lay under covers and take their clothes off to I loved that. huddle together was Will for warmth. No, Will Wheaton wasn't in that. No, wasn't Ben, ben Affleck. Affleck right? yeah. <laughs> yes. Ben Affleck was in that. That's random. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> forgot about that. But I loved The Voyage of the Mimi. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So upon hearing this plan, O'Neill shifts just a little bit out of their long, adorable hug to better look at Sam, but he's still holding on to her arms. Actually, they're holding on to each other's arms. Raleigh apparently is alive at this point. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. And tells them that what they seek is hidden within the mock-up of the Stargate facility. Sam asks if she's going to be okay, and Raleigh's like, well, maybe, but you gotta go. Don't worry about me. Go find the thing. On Tulak in the woods, Braytac is searching for something. Hammond's like, we really don't have time for this. What are we looking for? And Braytac says they need an advantage because the gate is well guarded. So he leads them to a ship that's been in the woods for a hundred years. 
I'd for sure trust a car that was in the woods for a hundred years. Surely. Even though cars barely existed a hundred yes. years ago. I mean, like, I know they existed, but like. But, you know, <laughs> as Teal'c says, yeah. they have a saying, they do not build them as they once did. <laughs> Maybe if we found a very, very old hundred year old car in the woods as it was yep. then, it would still run for some reason. I bet it yeah. would. Yeah. <laughs> General Hammond asks if uh, Braytac is going to fly the thing, and Braytac says no, because threading the needle is a skill for the young, as he pal- pats Teal'c on the chest. Teal'c looked very pleased. He did. It was excellent. Yes, agreed. Back in the pyramid, Carter and O'Neill are hurrying along, looking for the generator. Sam thinks that the things must be massive, and so they enter the fake gate room. They see that it's all clear, so they lower the weapons that they were carrying up to this point. And now we see that Jack is con- he's still wearing the, the all-white uniform from last episode. And none of his buttons are buttoned for anybody who cares about my <laughs> wardrobe watch as much as I care about my wardrobe watch. I, I did Same notice outfit, there was a missing no buttons t-shirt buttoned. underneath. <laughs> yes, also that. Sam figures they must be getting close because she's getting some pretty strong energy readings on the random device thing that she's using, whatever it is. Jack finds some random lever that probably shouldn't be there, so maybe that's it. He pulls on it and tries to find out. And apparently that opens up a big fake wall behind the Stargate, revealing some huge turbine generator thing. And apparently that's it. So they have some C4, of course. Because why wouldn't you have C4 everywhere that you go? Hell yeah. And they set it to detonate by remote. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They said some bombs. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I was like, where are we? Yeah. Yeah. Fake gate room. Yes. Fake room. Yes. Setting C4. In the tunnels, make peace, etc. Are still firefighting with the Jaffa, but they end up surrounded. So they lay down their weapons. Yep. Meanwhile, Jack and Sam have now snuck outside the base to have a look at the well-guarded Stargate that now has a line of prisoners kneeling in front of it. Now his top three buttons are buttoned. (laughs) I'm glad he took the time, you know. (laughs) But not all the buttons. (laughs) Just the top three. Jack wonders if this was part of the plan. Sam says no. (laughs) Then Trotsky is yelling... To Sam that he's bored, so they should surrender or he's going to kill everybody. Daniel shouts, don't listen to them. And Trotsky shuts Daniel up. And he gives Sam and Jack one minute. So they take that moment to think about what to do. Jack comes up with the idea that perhaps because Trotsky thinks he's a gold, he should get up and go pretend to be one, basically. I have many questions. <laughs> please at this please ask. Them. Well, and by many I mean two. <laughs> that is many. Yeah. First of all, Trotsky couldn't actually see them. He was just shouting out and assuming they were there. But what if they weren't actually there? He's giving them this one minute countdown, but what if they couldn't even hear him? Maybe he did that every five minutes until someone showed up. <laughs> Maybe. Question number two. 
generally it seems like everybody who is either a Jaffa or a Gua'uld can sense the presence of a hagfish in a person. So if Jack never fully bonded with his hagfish and his hagfish is now dead, would they still be sensing one? I mean, I guess it's technically still in his body. I guess. Because it wouldn't have deteriorated yet. Would they be sensing one? I don't know. Or would they realize that he doesn't have a hagfish and know right away that he's posing? These are good questions. Well, I already know that they don't know right away yes, that he's posing. That's but true. <laughs> shouldn't they have is my question. They might have. Yeah. Jack orders Sam to blow the C4 once the reinforcements get here. And she says, ever the pessimist, what if they don't? <laughs> and Jack's like, what if they don't? <laughs> he's so indignant. It was fantastic. So she's like, they will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course they will. Yeah. He gets up and heads over to Trotsky and all the folks at the gate. He shouts Jaffa Cree, and then, <laughs> and then sorry, the scene was yeah, already yeah, it was. <laughs> and then the Gwald speaks to him in Hagfish, and Jack's like, "You, you heard, heard me? me? I said Cree." <laughs> Jack congratulates Makepeace on the great rescue. <laughs> So he's not even, like, trying very hard to pretend to be a gold. So I'm really not sure what his plan was at all. Yes. <laughs> we should also say he was being very sarcastic yes, it in was, his congratulations of me. It was wonderful. It was glorious. It was. Yeah. <laughs> he lets Trotsky know that Hathor is dead. Trotsky's like, she's a queen. It's impossible. And a goddess. Jack's like, ex-goddess? I killed her myself. She's a former. I didn't understand queen. why they didn't shoot Jack by now I, because they clearly know that he's not a Guawold or a host yeah, or I, anything. I don't know. And they're just continuing to banter angrily <laughs> instead of just shooting him. I like should have. As the audience, I'm not sad about it, but yeah. It well, no, make obviously, a lot of I'm sense. glad that they didn't because I love his character <laughs> and I don't want him to be dead. But like, yeah, it from doesn't, a practical yes. standpoint, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Well, you got me. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. Then Jarofsky tells him to surrender, but then the gate starts dialing. Back on Chulak, Tilk and Hammond are in the death glider. Tilk is in the front, Hammond is in the back, and Tilk is saying that firing weapons will be Hammond's responsibility, and Hammond understands. So that's good. Back on Hathor's planet, O'Neill tells Sam to blow up the C4, and there was a giant explosion, and I loved it because I love explosions, <laughs> and they keep my attention, which tends to wander, as I've discussed. So we get two views of it, which makes it a doubly great explosion. There's one from the fake gate room itself, and then we get an outside view of the pyramid and an explosion at its base. Trotsky, however, was not nearly as thrilled as I was about these explosions. What? <laughs> Back on Chulak, Hammond asks what Braytak meant by threading the needle, Tilk says, observe. I would think it should probably be pretty obvious at this point. But yeah. apparently to Hammond, it's not, even though they are in this death glider near or possibly even directly in front of yeah. the gate, which, I mean, it's open, so they've got to be pretty close to it. So anyway, Tilk floors it. And Hammond is thrown back in his seat and looks very surprised. Why? I don't know. Because you would think that being in the Air Force, he shouldn't be surprised about acceleration <laughs> forces. But I mean, apparently he is. You know, he's a grandpa. He's well past, you know, flying prime, I think. True. Very true. But you would think he would at least be expecting them. Fair. Maybe he just remembered them not being as awful when he was better trained for it. Maybe. I don't know. 
In any case, the Death Glider makes it through the gate and fires at the turrets, destroying them. O'Neill fires at Trotsky. The other SG soldiers in the area all duck. Sam sees the second turret taking an aim at O'Neill, so she runs across the clearing, shooting at the Jaffa that's manning that one and telling Jack that he needs to get down. He dives out of the way just barely in time. Braytac and a whole bunch of Jaffa come out of the gate at this point, following the Death Glider. Trotsky makes it back up to his feet, but Braytac shoots him before Trotsky can shoot Braytac. And this time, Trotsky is dead. Ha! <laughs> it continues to get better because from the Death Glider, Tilk tells Hammond to fire and Hammond fires and takes out the last turret and we hear the most ridiculous yeehaw. yee <laughs> Which will for sure be a drop yep. forevermore in this podcast <laughs> moving forward. And I laughed very much. <laughs> It was good. <laughs> it really was. Braytac and his people capture the remaining Jaffa that had formerly been under Trotsky's command. Jack, even though he had dove in the dirt, has hardly any mud on his crisp white uniform, just a little patch on each elbow. He and Braytac greet each other. Greet each other. Braytac says human. <laughs> Calls him human. Tilk and General Hammond have apparently managed to land the Death Glider at this point, and they also approach the gathering, and everybody is happy. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had all they all head towards the gate. Yeah. Yeah. So the Death Glider is yes. different than the Death Gliders currently that we see in the present. Okay. Yeah. I don't know Makes if you sense. noticed that. It, I had not noticed, but it makes sense. It's pretty reminiscent, actually, of, and maybe is the reason why they were designed that way, the puddle jumpers in Atlanta. I can see where they maybe were like, where are we going to design this from? And let's pick this death, this old school death glider from Into yeah. the Fire. As That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I, nice. I was looking at it. I was like, that's a puddle jumper, but not. And. That's very interesting. I'm probably wrong. Hopefully someone will well actually. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully nobody will actually. I don't think any of us, no. either of us, ever want to be well actually. But no. I'm sure it'll happen eventually. It's okay if it does. Yeah. Anyway, it's huh. not okay. Nothing's okay. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> is okay. <laughs> Kathy? Yes, Mary? Did you like the episode? I'm going to go with Yes. With some good. objections to <laughs> the lunacy we see sometimes. But, <laughs> so, I don't know. It was fun. There was adventure. I think this and the previous episode could have been one episode. Yeah. And that Major Davis has lots of points about how much resources they spend rescuing one team of at least a dozen. And how many people died doing this? Because that, right? I meant to check and see if that was a number I could find somewhere. And then I didn't because that's how my life is. And many things I'm going to do and then I just don't do them. But yeah, so I think in general, I thought it was a entertaining, exciting episode in itself and could have been combined with the last one. That's fair. 
Yeah, I could see that. We already talked about how, like, the entire last episode felt like a waste, other than the, I mean, like, if anyone needed the clip show reminders, yeah. but it was boring. Yeah. How about you? I liked it a lot better, because there were explosions. Nice. <laughs> fair. That is very fair. And I mean, that's my main takeaway. There was an explosion, <laughs> and then we got another view of the same explosion, so I was happy. <laughs> But also explosions aside, I, you know, I thought it was pretty weird, as I mentioned before, that like they're going back and forth between like, yep, they're a lost cause. Got to save him. Uh, maybe he's a lost cause. Got to save him no matter what. <laughs> and so that was that was kind of weird. I don't generally like storylines where you have a whole bunch of people dying just to save a few people. It, it just seemed pretty pointless at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm generally frustrated by that that kind of thing but i think for me i guess what makes it a little bit different than like than movies that are like that is we have a much longer history with sg1 than we do with like the characters in a movie in a movie it really bothers me a lot when that's the plot of a movie but i wasn't bothered as much by it here but i was still bothered by it a bit because yeah even though we don't know these people who are dying a whole lot of people died just to save three people so that that kind of sucks but overall i actually did enjoy this episode lot more than the last one, I would say. All right. Yeah. Well, yes. me too. Yes. Definitely yeah. much more than the last one. Yeah. And thankfully, the only clips that we got were clips of clips in the <laughs> initial clips. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next? Next, we have Stargate SG-1. Wow. I know. Oh. Season three. What? Woo! Episode two. <gasps> Seth. I know a person named Seth. Do you? I'm probably. I'm guessing he's probably not in this episode, though. Maybe he was. Maybe. Could be. You never know. It's true. So the Netflix says, Carter's father hunts for the gold system lord, Seth. A computer search has revealed that Seth has maintained power on Earth for thousands of years. Wow. Yeah. The booklet puts it as, when SG-1 hunts for a gold lord living on Earth, they discover this powerful alien in the form of a religious leader with a heavily armed cult following. O'Neill faces off with both government agents and the cult in a fiery clash that may destroy them all. Only O'Neill. No, only O'Neill. Nobody else in the entire SGC and for sure not anyone else on SG-1 has any involvement. Just O'Neill. So weird. I don't understand why they do that. It's so bizarre. <laughs> Just O'Neill. Uh, yep. Just O'Neill. Stargate O'Neill. <laughs> That's really what they should have called it. <laughs> Stargate O'Neill and some other guys. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they're released every Monday. And you can also find us on YouTube. We very, very, very much appreciate reviews and likes to help other people find the podcast. And word of mouth is great for that as well. So please tell everybody that you like that you think might like the podcast so that they can join us too. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at stargatesing at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram. If you're feeling generous, we very much appreciate you helping us out over there. We're at patreon.com slash stargatesing, where you will get uh, access to a whole bunch of extras like uh, brain stopped working and bonus episodes. I do some behind the scenes updates. We're actually going to be even releasing a couple extra episodes <laughs> oh, should we talk about what's happening this weekend that will actually already be in the past? Oh, by the it time will be in the past. Out? 
And it will be for Patreon people only, not even for the one-time donors to PayPal. But this weekend, apparently, there has been a Stargate script written by AI. And there will be several actors from the original series, both SG-1 and Atlantis, which I guess isn't the original series. But there will be several actors from both SG-1 and Atlantis doing a table read of this AI script that was written. Kathy and I are both going to be watching, and we're going to be doing a review of that over on Patreon for Patreon people only. And because we just finished another season, that means that our next outtakes will be coming out as well. So lots of cool stuff coming for our Patreon friends. And we love you. And we love the people that aren't on Patreon too. Also, I should add. We love everyone. We do. As long as they are our listeners. (laughs) Everyone else can go screw. Even if they could be (laughs) potential listeners. Fuck those guys. Last but not least, you can check out our website at stargatesing.space. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing, the end. The end. It was another, I feel like it was another one of those extra rambly nights and it's not even because yeah. i've had so much to drink i'm just so tired that being tired is making me loopy that's fair i yeah. just it's just did i finish my i didn't even finish my second beer and my oh. first one i had like a couple hours ago so I'm just, oh i finished I'm just... two in the last nice. what, like hour and a half <laughs> i'm just tired i'm just loopy tired <laughs> tired loopy. loopy yeah